0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you?
1: Good. Alhamdulillah. Alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for um, joining us today on the Naqabi Diary. So, really happy to have you on the show today, inshallah.
1: Wa iyaki, thank you so much.
0: Alhamdulillah. So, sister, could you introduce yourself for us and tell us a little bit about what you do?
1: Okay, so my name is Khulood. I'm an islamic manifestation slash conscious relationship coach um and what i do is help women like a muslim women all around the world trust allah more and develop or have conscious relationships with themselves so that they can like live their best life
0: Alhamdulillah, Mashallah, it sounds very interesting. I'm going to have to ask you a good few questions about that one. I've never of, <laughs> yeah, Mashallah, I've never had of this um, type of work before. That sounds really interesting. Allah Mubarak. Okay, <laughs> Mashallah. So, um, Sister, um, give us a little bit about your background and how you got to be wearing the niqab, inshallah.
1: So, I'm from Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And when I was five years old, um, we went to the States and i lived there most of my like until i was 18 but every summer we would go back to saudi and my aunts are pretty islamic my like my aunts from my dad's side so one of them in particular was a very big influence on me and she would always tell me like well, um, would you don't you want to wear niqab or like and stuff like that so she kind of brought the issue up when i was young i was pretty young like 14, 15, mm-hmm. and I always thought about it. And so I started doing my own research at that age and seeing so is niqab wajib? Is it not? Is it just like a really good sunnah? And I came to the conclusion based on what I read from like the main scholars that I trusted that it was wajib. I truly believe it's wajib. So I decided that one day I would wear it, but why I didn't mean, wear it right away.
0: Sorry, sister, why do you mean it obligatory? Yes. Yes. obligatory. Just to, just to clarify for anybody who might not understand what that term means. Which is our yeah.
1: Yeah. So fast forward to when I was 18 years old, I was, um, I, we went to the masjid. I lived in the States in Colorado and you know how every Friday the Muslims gather at the masjid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was a cold December night. And all of us Muslim girls, who none of us were niqabis at all, like we decided to go to Starbucks to get some coffee. Okay. Which I have like, I, I completely boycotted Starbucks, to be honest, for like the last 13 years. But I mean, that this was before. Mm-hmm. So we went. And before we went, we were like, you know, let's pretend we're Nakabis today. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah. So everyone was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Especially because it was really cold. So everyone was on board. So we went to um, Starbucks, all covered, like, Nakabis, But, like, we looked kind of hilarious because everyone just took the, you know, whatever they could from their hijab, like, the ends of their hijab, and just Mm -hmm. tied it in whatever way. And we went... And we ordered our coffee and we sat down inside and we drank it. And while we were drinking it, all, all of these um, Khaliji brothers, brothers from the Gulf states and like really? Saudi, mm-hmm. they came in and they, had an, they, were, they came with an American girl. Mm-hmm. And we all know this American girl. She was just not a good person. Everyone didn't like her. We were like 10 girls and everyone had a bad vibe about her. Everyone had some kind of story to tell about like how she, like she was strange. She would come to the Muslim girls in the university and tell us, oh, do you guys want to know what your Muslim brothers do? And we were like, no, we don't actually. And she would still try to like tell us their sins and what they do. And we didn't we didn't understand why she was doing that we were like please don't tell us and she kept doing that like she kept coming back every time and trying to tell us things so nobody liked her it was like she was mocking Mm. Islam or our brothers in Islam I don't know and it just didn't sit well with us so nobody liked her and then one of the sisters she was like I think we should tell the brothers not to hang out with her because she's really like horrible because she even tried to kind of Um, ruin a marriage in a way this is like a completely other story but it was like that she's like that bad so this American sister who was married to a like a brother she tried to like ruin their relationship I don't know so Mm -hmm. she was really mad so the American sister was like we have to tell them so we all got up and the brothers were sitting outside the cafe and we went to them and then all of a sudden and it was like imagine like all of us in niqab kind of and Mm -hmm standing in front of these brothers and then all of a sudden all the girls we were like 10 all of them went took a step back and they left me standing in front of all the brothers and I was so shocked and I was not expecting it it was not planned so I got so um like nervous I just left I left I went to the parking lot area where our cars were and all the girls came behind me and they were like why didn't you say anything and I was like why am I supposed to say something and they're like because you're Saudi and they're Khalidi and I'm like I know but that was not planned and I was just really shy back then you know I was 18 so what happened was the American sister the one who was really mad she went back she was like well I'm going back so she went back and then all the girls followed her and then I was the last one who went back and and once again I find myself in front of them all by myself so i was like okay i guess this is meant to happen so subhanallah what came out of my mouth was not from me it was like what i consider faidun ilahi which is like divine speech it's like it was divinely inspired i believe like not from me you know what i mean like when mm-hmm. allah sometimes just speaks through you yeah subhanallah mm-hmm. yeah so the brothers, like the ones who were smoking, they put their cigar cigarettes out, and the ones who were drinking put their drinks down, and they started putting their heads down, and they started looking at the American girl like, what are you, you know, and I don't really remember what I said, because it was very eloquent, and I'm not that eloquent, usually, mm-hmm. um, but what I said in general was something like, you guys are our Muslim brothers, and This girl tells us your sins, and we don't even want to know your sins. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't give us any happiness or joy to know, like, our brother's sins. We just, Mm -hmm. we pray that Allah guides you, and, like, that's all we want for you, you know, inshallah, that Allah guides you. Mm -hmm. So it was just, like, a little sincere message. And, yeah, they were so affected by it. And then I just left. (inaudible) And all the girls came after me. And we went to the parking lot and everyone started hugging each other. And then the girls started taking their fake niqabs off, like mm. one by one. They're like, oh, that was nice and whatever. And they, everyone got in their cars. And I just stood there and I was like, you know what? I'm never taking it off. I'm, I'm going to start wearing niqab." Okay. And it just happened that way, subhanAllah. So the second day. I went to the university like like after this weekend, and I was really nervous because it was my first time wearing niqab. And like before the weekend, everyone in class saw me without niqab, you know, so it was mm-hmm. kind of nerve-wracking for me. And so I prayed istikhara, and I'm like, oh Allah, if this is good for me, then, you know, show me some sign. And so I went to class, and it was an African-American literature class. Mm-hmm. And I went up to my teacher and I was like, hey, professor, just so you know, I'm the same girl. <laughs> and no she was like, "She was like, girl, my uncle's Muslim. Like, and I took that as a really good sign. It that felt really beautiful. good. Yeah. And then she showed us a video about women all, of, all around the world. And after the video, she was like, does anyone want to say anything about women around the world? so I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of just share about women in Islam and why we cover. So, Mm uh, yeah, so I'd kind of feel less nervous as well in front of my classmates. So I told them like, um, in Islam, women cover for the sake of Allah, Mm -hmm. like, first and foremost like that's the number one reason and also there's benefits like you know um, people can't judge you by your body and doesn't that like and I started talking about women in Islam and everything and after class I like five girls came up to me and they were like wow we really liked what you had to say and it was so interesting and we want to learn more can you have coffee with us so I took that as another good sign. So and after that alhamdulillah, like I never went back, I never looked back.
0: Alhamdulillah, mashallah, that's a really amazing story, like subhanallah. Very good yeah. one. So um when you first started wearing it then, um <clears> did you find any difficulties like since you've been wearing it from that time? Like obviously you said your teacher made it made you feel quite comfortable wearing it, but did you face any kind of obstacles or any difficulties or any abuse from anybody else, maybe in the college or school or
1: well, um, yes and no, uh, in the sense that after I wore niqab, I actually got less hate as a Muslim. No,
0: um,
1: uh, then like, I got less hate than my friends who didn't wear niqab, who dressed like in pants and shirts and just little hijabs, you know, mm-hmm. And and it was funny. But I do think it was because I really like... I've always been very conscious about representing Islam to the best of my capability, like Mm -hmm. especially because there's so many misconceptions and stereotypes about us. So I felt after Niqab, I had to do that more like, and because people can't see my face, um, I felt like my energy more than like anything else um, was shining through, Mm -hmm. I guess. So I didn't really get any issues. I actually, uh, like, well, it's not I didn't get any issues, but in general, in, like, the college setting and everything, everyone was fine with it. It, Everyone was welcoming. I went to classes on, like, uh, on campus and talked about Islam. I would just go and be like, hey, do do you guys want me to talk to your class about Islam? Because I know there's, it was nine, it was post 9-11.
0: Okay, it was like enough. it yeah. was
1: only a few years, like three or four years after. Yeah. So it was still fresh, you know. It's still fresh now. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So I just I would go to churches and stuff like that, and I would talk about Islam. So I got really good feed. Like everyone received me very well, and in, in that regard, so I didn't really have issues. But I do believe it's because I also really, really believed that. I, I'm gonna be fine, and Allah's gonna take care of me because I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like I felt so good. I felt like I was doing the right thing, and because of that, Allah's gonna take care of me, no matter what kind of world I live in. Because by that time, I was living basically alone. Mm-hmm. My parents had gone back to Saudi. My dad finished his um, PhD, and they went back, and I was there with my brother. But my brother was in his own world. Like I don't, I didn't really see him that much. Mm-hmm. So I was alone, and I also went to a really small um, college because I um, they had a good nursing school and I Mm -hmm. was going to study nursing and get a master's but completely changed my mind so what happened is I didn't even live with those friends that I we when we wore the fake niqab I didn't Mm -hmm. live in that same city that they were in okay that happened in another city and then when I decided to wear naqab, I went back to my city, basically, which was only 30 minutes away. And I lived in cowboy town, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there is just farms and white people, that was it. So I really felt like an alien in the university. There was no Muslim girls who covered in my u- the whole university, like none. Mm-hmm. It was just me and a Libyan sister um, who doesn't cover, doesn't wear hijab, and we were, we were like friends. We went everywhere, but it was like she didn't even cover. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really felt like an alien, but I also felt like I represented Islam. Like I was, oh. yeah. So, but Alhamdulillah, I didn't get much, many issues, except once. Um, this cop he stopped me, and uh, he really didn't. He stopped me because like for nothing really and when he did he told me he's like where are you from because he saw me wearing the niqab and mm-hmm. I was like I'm from Saudi Arabia yeah and then he was like and this was a huge man like a six foot buff like even like older kind of cop like 40 year old mm-hmm. bald and like blue eyes you know like typical yeah. kind of yeah so he was kind of scary to be honest oh, and he was like so he's like uh yeah he's like where are you from i was like saudi arabia like america's better right and i was like oh. yeah i was like no actually i like my country <laughs> and, and when i said that he wrote me a 250 dollars ticket really yes and I, I was like, wow. when i saw it i was so shy. i was like but i didn't do anything like what <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah But the thing is, I was going to, I had planned on going back to Saudi anyway, like for final exit, on final exit. So I went to the court early. My appointment was in two months. So I went to the court early and I told the judge, she was, um, I told her, I was like, "Um, I'm leaving on final exit. And the appointment you guys gave me is after I leave. So I wanted to come early to pay the ticket. And she was like, you're going and you're not coming back. I'm like, yes. And she's like, and you want to pay the ticket? I'm like, yeah. She's like, then you don't have to pay anything. (laughs) She was so happy. She was like, you don't have to pay anything. So I got, you see like what kind of results I got? Like, yes, okay. I kind of faced some issues. I even had this really old man who was drunk, I think, um, follow me around in the supermarket. And he kept saying, go home terrorist, go home terrorist. But I don't know why. I'm just not scared. I don't like, I was not scared of him at all. Mm -hmm. And I just let him follow me. And it just didn't even bother me. Uh, I was just felt sorry for him, actually, <laughs> and then the security guard saw him, and he just took him like so i little things like that did happen, but to me it's like so what i mean the like look at the companions of the prophet, look at the side look at like look how people suffered so much for islam. they went to jihad they mm-hmm. they you know they were wounded, and they were cut to pieces and <laughs> so many other things like what is a little a few words yeah. as long as nobody's oh, touching Allah. me nothing's happening and also your energy the energy you put out mm-hmm. uh it says a lot so if you're going to be like this weak person and you're going to be affected by what they're saying it's they're going to increase you know and they can sense fear people can smell fear
0: yeah they can when they, they can
1: yeah so even if you're wearing niqab, like they can sense it so but when they see oh this girl doesn't even care and she's confident and she's happy and she's not doing anything they respect you and they I, I don't that's why I guess I didn't get a lot of pro, like issues alhamdulillah
0: alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so sister could you talk about about what you do as your profession because you mentioned obviously your energy and things like that here so yeah even this is linked so. to what you're doing as a job right now so could you kind of, and yes. tell us
1: about it? Yeah. So my 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 whole life experience, I guess, kind of led me to this, which is this, uh, which I believe is my purpose. Um, I, uh, like my whole like life experience was about tawakkul, mm-hmm. to me. Like it was all about tawakkul. Um,
0: which is relying even on when I, word.
1: yeah, when I when I left. Um. an abusive marriage like I just leaped also like after that and I had nothing no money Mm -hmm. no family around and I had four children and I just Mm -hmm. leaped and I knew Allah was going to take care of me and when that when I did that because it was a very abusive relationship like really bad I had four stitches in my head Mm -hmm. um but when that happened I knew Allah was going to take care of me and all of a sudden I found myself in an apartment and I found myself finishing my last year of college and I found myself with daycare for my kids and I found myself you know with everything I needed subhanallah and I was even amazed at my level of tawakkul not I'm not saying this in an arrogant way cuz I didn't even know I had that much tawakkul like even yourself you don't know yourself or how strong you are or how weak you are sometimes until a trial hits you you know, yes, awesome. so yeah, so I realized how strong my tawakkul was, and I was like, wow, this is amazing, <laughs> and uh, people started asking me, like, how did you do that, how can you, how are you this strong, and how are you that chill, and how are you this, um, just, you know, not anxious about everything, and I, I I didn't, I didn't know how to answer them, you know, it's like when you talk to a good, a really, like a chef, and you're just learning to cook, and mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, put a, dash of this and a pinch of that and you're like oh no give me measurements a teaspoon of this and you know you don't yeah so it's it I started thinking about it and I'm like okay how did I become this drunk and I started retracing my steps from when I was 15 when I started really um Embracing Islam and my spirituality, like and all that, because I'm just naturally very spiritual. Mm. So I'm, yeah, so Islamic, I guess you can say, or religious. So, uh, yeah, I started tr- retracing my steps, and I kind of started teaching it and talking about it on my Instagram, and now I, I just started a, a course. So yeah, I just launched it actually. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, and where, where it's is going? Well. Um, well, if you go on my Instagram, mm-hmm. the Queen of Trust, uh, it's all on there, like on my link. There's a link in the bio. Um, but basically, what I teach people is the energetics of trust and how to build a very strong, subconscious Islamic foundation. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, you're your your spiritual foundation or islamic foundation is weak it's like what is it what is it based on and i teach people from the beginning like uh everything like why were we first of all you know how everyone asks usually like who am i or, or why was i created mm-hmm. And it's sad as Muslims uh, that as mo- Muslims today actually ask these things when we, are, we should know them. It's so simple, but a lot of, I see a lot of confused youth. Um, so I start from that, like we were created to worship Allah. Mm-hmm. How do we worship Allah? We worship him by every, and way. everything and anything can be worshiped. Yeah. You know, and, and anyway, so I start from the very, very beginning. But part of what I really teach is like the energetics of trust, I call it, or tawakkul. Mm-hmm. And it's basically making tawakkul, like, you know, because if you ask most um, people or even religious leaders, scholars, or anyone, just like if uh, if they say my iman is weak, it's like, trust Allah. Yeah. But then people say, how do I trust Allah? How? You know? Like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. So I really go deep into it and break it into like steps, all based from the Quran and Sunnah, of course. Like I'm from Ahl Sunnah Jama'a, Um, and really, really break it down based on the Quran and Sunnah and everything. So, yeah, I go really deep. And I have a lot of posts on Instagram that go really deep into that, like, as well
0: so oh, a Re- really very interesting i'll, I'll really um... for
1: example you know i'll give you an example yeah. because I know, I know it's not very clear and this is also a post of mine you can like check it out to see like the deeper or more meaning so for example i tell people what does trust feel like what does tawakkul feel like and to me tawakkul feels like being chill being calm being cool being relaxed enjoying the moment and giving all my worries to Allah, just like placing it in his hands. Cause he was basically Allah's telling us like trusting Allah. He's basically telling us, just give me your worries. Give mm-hmm. me them. I want them, <laughs> you know, I'll take care of them. Just give them to me and you relax. Like you, yeah. It's so beautiful. So that's what I practice. And I always tell people, you have to practice that the feeling of trust on a daily basis mm-hmm. until it becomes, your natural state of being and the more you practice it the deeper your trust becomes and the stronger it becomes and also there are energetic blocks that get in the way of very deep trust in allah for example um uh, an an energetic block is fear because fear is the opposite of trust and Mm -hmm. fear comes from the shaitan you know and so what you have to know is how how do I stop being fearful? Like, And that the first step is to recognize your enemy, who is the shaitan, and understand his games. Basically, the shaitan, what does he do? Just was-was. He just whispers in your ears. Mm-hmm. He de- he can't do anything. Like, He can't make you physically do anything. And so what you have to do with the shaitan is, okay, you know his game, so you have to be a step ahead. For example, this sister once DM'd me, and she was like, um, I always have this issue where the Shaitan tells me like, Oh, just go on the balcony real quick and get what it, like. She has something in, in the balcony, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, I just go get it really quickly. But then someone sees me like without hijab, mm-hmm. like someone on the, in the streets. And I'm like, exactly. But don't you see it, Shaitan, how he's playing you? Shaitan has already prepared someone who's going to look in that direction. Yeah. When you get like, you go on the balcony. You have to know what he's going to do before. Or for example, I remember this one brother. He used to never knock on the door before he entered his home um, after, like when he came back from work. Yeah. And the thing is, he had a maid. So if he doesn't knock, every time he didn't knock, she was in his face. Yeah. It's like it's from the shaitan. Mm-hmm. He already knows that uh, he, this guy's coming back from work and he's going to put this girl in front of him. So you have to... Um, know his like be one step ahead of him mm-hmm. and do and then what you do next is do the complete opposite of what he tells you so if he tells you oh don't pray be like no i'm gonna pray and i'm gonna pray two rakaz nawafil like you know like yeah, extra yeah. prayer. <laughs> if he tells you go on the balcony without hijab be like you know what i'm gonna wear my niqab too and if you do that enough times he mm-hmm. will be so mad at you and he will he'll lose it He he just he won't be able to stand you like how he could not Look at Umar ibn Al-Khattab. Like when he used to see Umar ibn Al-Khattab, he used to just run the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, because Umar ibn Al-Khattab was very, very strong. Like his iman in the way he knows the shaitan, he knows his enemy, he knows how to deal with him. And that's an energetic block like the fear. So once you can get rid of the shaitan, because if he, if you get become very strong and very trusting in Allah, the shaitan, he, he won't mess with you as much. You know, you'll be less and less and less fearful until you can basically I really believe you can reach a level where you are basically fearless I mean of course we all are human we have fears like little healthy fears but in general like the fear from the shaitan, I truly do believe that you can become fearless and I do believe like I've kind of reached that level inshallah sure. and I think the reason is because and, and I it's it's even mentioned in the Quran like when Allah says like awliya Allah And I'm not saying I'm from the whatsoever But I'm saying he says that there's no fear on them You know, they, mm-hmm. they don't fear And they don't become sad yeah, That's because
0: so what you're saying. Yeah, Yes, because they're so trusting
1: And makes, it's all it from the sense Quran It makes what you're yeah.
0: saying Because Allah only wants us to fear him Because yeah, he's exactly. the only one that can cause us harm Or like, you know, yeah. do us good So there's nothing There's nothing or nobody that can get in between that SubhanAllah so Exactly like, like So the stronger We need yeah, to yeah, stronger, to anybody else so the
1: stronger your trust in Allah the more amazing things you're going to see in your life the more like you're just you're just gonna be on a whole nother level and trust it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper and I know this from personal experience like when the pandemic hit like corona and everything Mm -hmm. I've actually alhamdulillah like during this time although like if you look at my situation like oh she's a single mother and She works from home and she has four children. Like, oh, poor thing. You know what I mean? That's what most people think. But for me, and oh, and she's all alone and there's this whole pandemic and whatever. To me, alhamdulillah, I feel so safe, so secure because I have Allah. And on top of all of that, I feel like when you truly, sincerely try to do your best and you practice trust, like tawakkul, Allah sometimes just gifts you more Tawakkul. Like yeah. he gives you that deeper level, deeper. And that's what I feel happened when Corona hit. I just reached this even newer level of Tawakkul. Mm. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know. Like this the level that where you don't actually have to consciously practice. It's just a part it, of you now. And you're actually. just being. Yeah. yeah, you're just being like in that chill state <laughs> and you don't even yeah. your mind's not wandering you're not like uh you know there's nothing going on in your mind that's anxious and yeah, all these crazy not fear the things. nothing yeah. yes alhamdulillah and i truly believe anyone can reach this level you just have to practice and so i really break those steps down um and i've taught a lot of people these steps so i know they work
0: alhamdulillah so, alhamdulillah alhamdulillah really so, yeah.
1: Sounds amazing. because i think that's i think that's what's missing from the online away like we just read you, you just see these people at least this is what i see in saudi you go to adar all they do is just memorize 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 they're just, they're just focused on memorizing and it's like can we and i every time i go to adar i tell the p like the principal i tell them like can we please just memorize 10 verses and then truly understand them implement them in our life and then move mm-hmm. on like the sahaba did can we yeah. not do that why don't we do yeah. that like, and they just look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, so I truly try to practice that. And I'll, I'll give you another example. So, you know, um, there is a, like this well-known ayah. Uh, oh, subhanAllah, I just forgot it. But basically it's like, oh yeah, the ayah, Mata nasrullah, like when is Allah's victory coming, mm-hmm. you know? And Allah talks about this kind of, um, this verse uh, or the like this kind of issue uh, situation in a few different verses and when you really look at all those verses you notice like one of the verses says that the prophets and the believers were like when is allah's help coming mm-hmm. and then allah's help comes after that and when you think about this verse very deeply on an about like when it comes to tawakkul allah's not saying oh when you despair of allah's help Mm -hmm. it comes to you no like these are believers and prophets the best of the best but what he's saying is when it's normal and it's okay to feel frustrated Mm -hmm. it's okay to have these human feelings but on a deeper subconscious level like consciously they were frustrated in their like outer reality but in their inner reality on the inside in their subconscious foundation they just decided to trust allah and let go yeah, and this is also another thing that I teach that trust and surrender are like a complete circle. Trust mm-hmm. on the top you know, and like surrender at the bottom, but they're one, they're, they complete each other. You have to do both to come to truly trust Allah yeah, you have to surrender you have to let go so what they did was just that they just surrendered their situation to Allah and they're like you know what we don't know how it's going to happen when it's going to happen but we just are going to let go finally and when they do that's when Allah's help comes yeah, so
0: it, it reminds me of um the you know the prophet Yaqub alayhi salam, when he said that he only complains of his um you know, his, his distress and his suffering to Allah, you know, when it what mm-hmm. happened, with, you know, with uh, Yusuf Ali Falaam when he was, you know, taken or given up by his brothers, subhanallah, mm-hmm. and he went for such a long time without his son. Yeah, subhanAllah.
1: Although this ayah, I do believe sometimes um, it's, like, uh, if you say it to people, sometimes they feel like, oh, then maybe I shouldn't talk to anyone about how I'm feeling, mm. you know? And so you have to also explain, like, no, it's okay we as humans, we do need each other. Of course. I mean, maybe, you know, he's a prophet, like maybe you could take that. Uh, but at the same time as humans in general, we do need to sometimes let it out, talk. And of course, number one, and the best way to do it is to talk to Allah in like the middle of the night when mm-hmm. like pr- you're praying Qiyam, because like that time is so perfect because everyone's asleep and it gives you a chance to truly just let your emotions flow out of you instead of like putting this mask on and being proper and like civilized uh, in the morning, you know? So at night you can really just cry your heart out and just, and, and just let it all out w- w- with a lot, which is great. And that's of course the number one thing you should do. But I mean, it's also okay to talk, to talk to people who are trustworthy and who are emotionally intelligent. Like <laughs> that's key too. Um, so it's okay, you know, we're humans, we have feelings, and it's fine. It's like, it doesn't make you less of a Muslim or not a strong believer. Sometimes we need that kind of support. So,
0: yeah. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, that's amazing. So, sister, have you ever traveled with your niqab on?
1: Well, uh, yes, I have. So I lived in the States, and and then when I came back to Saudi, of course, I wore it here. Um, uh, although my family didn't want me to wear it really yeah they were not happy with it I mean well when um, you came
0: back to Saudi Arabia
1: yeah like even though we're all Saudi Mm -hmm. some of them just didn't like it some were like oh you're not going to keep it on because I was young I guess Mm -hmm. they thought oh she'll change her mind but I'm the kind of person who's like ride or die (laughs) I don't it's like halas once I go Uh, that's it there's no going back yeah Yeah. um but that's just my personality type so uh but yeah like I did face a lot of issues and uh, it was actually harder here because of family um But, don't, but they're not didn't, women in Saudi weather,
0: niqab. anyways. I, think I was, know, the, I know things that people I think. I think
1: they were more scared, like thinking that oh, she maybe she's gonna take an extremist personality with the like extreme look of niqab mm. to them kind of thing. I know it's pretty sad, mm. but uh, they were just scared, basically. Once they realized it didn't make me any different, but maybe even better, I, they completely got over that you know alhamdulillah. so alhamdulillah it didn't really phase me so i, I was just like i'm so used to it because mm-hmm. since i was little i lived in the states i was the mon- I'm a minority i wore hijab in second grade like my mm-hmm. dad he made us he made me wear hijab in second grade and i was so nervous mm-hmm. i would wear it like princess jasmine style and have all my hair sticking out you know, <laughs> you know I'm, i was really little yeah. but by fifth grade By fifth grade, I decided in fifth grade, I was like, I'm going to wear it and never take it off and not show my hair at all. And Mm -hmm. so I had enough practice by then. So I covered completely. And I even had the boys in class, they would be like, please take it off. Just on the ground. It was like graduation day, the last day. And they're like, just today. We just want to see your hair. And I was like, no way. And I never took it off. And I was so proud of myself. But what's funny, what's funny is that outside of school i didn't even wear it <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was kind of funny when i thought about it um yeah and then in seventh grade i wore it completely never took it off and uh, so i can i guess i got used to you know being a minority first of mm-hmm. all we lived in states where there were not a lot of muslims either mm-hmm. in some areas and I, I was usually like the only muslim girl in school or maybe only there were only two or three and like or basically two um and they like nobody wore hijab so i didn't i guess i got used to being an outcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) i got used to not having to fit in yeah and i never Mm -hmm. cared about fitting in so yeah so yeah i got used to it so i i just was immune by then when i came back to saudi Mm -hmm. it didn't faze me yeah, yeah. I I'm suppose if it.
0: if you can wear it in a in a non-Muslim country easily, then what difference does it make if you wear it in a Muslim country?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, well. So,
0: sister, yeah. would you say that? You oh, said, but um,
1: sorry. Yeah, I didn't answer your question. I think I went to another question. Yeah, you did. You said that I asked you
0: if you've travelled with it on in the airport. Oh you, no, you I did ask.
1: also go to Istanbul. Oh, okay. And. Yeah, this was not last Ramadan, the one before it. So I went to Turkey and mm-hmm. uh, I wore it and I thought it was fine. Like there was, there were plenty of other niqabis around. I didn't, I know people probably stare
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I, but I'm so oblivious to what people think. I don't care. So I, I don't notice like mm-hmm. things you don't care about. You don't notice. Yeah, And I'm also not very observant, like by nature. Like, if you know anything about the Myers-Briggs personality, I'm an INFP, so it completely actually fits my personality type, if you think about it. So it didn't bother me, and it's funny, because most Saudis, they say that Turkish people are very aggressive, they're angry, and they're kind of rude, and I think they are, maybe with Saudis even more. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, but... So when I went to Turkey, everyone was like, oh, you're going to have all these issues. And I'm like, nope, I'm not. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be really nice, inshallah. That's what I believe, inshallah. And I'm going to make do out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when I went, everyone was super nice to me. Mm-hmm. Everyone was so nice. And even like the people who were traveling with me were shocked. They were like, Turkish people are really nice. I was like, see, I told you. To the extent like someone invited us to their home. And I was like, see, (laughs) so Alhamdulillah, I didn't have issues. I don't, I just don't make it. See, this is the thing. It truly is about energy. Like if you don't make something an issue, then it's not going to be an issue. If you make it an issue, it will be an issue. It's like Allah even says this. He says, I am as my slave thinks or expects of me. And then he says, so think and expect of me, whatever you want. And I love that last part. It's like, think whatever you want, like whatever you believe is what you're going to get. If you believe you're going to have a beautiful time and Allah's going to, you know, protect you and make everything amazing, then that's what's going to happen. You get what you believe. Mm -hmm. So believe good things, believe amazing things about Allah. And I love that last part of the Hadith Qudsi because it's basically telling you believe as like the most amazing things go high, like, like think the most amazing kind of thoughts or or you can think the worst kind of thoughts too and that would usually be your reality so why choose the bad thoughts exactly so i always choose amazing things and alhamdulillah that's what i get because allah loves it when you trust him and he wants to reward you for it alhamdulillah so yeah.
0: Alhamdulillah. So I, I suppose you wouldn't consider that niqab is a barrier. If I asked you that, would you? Would you no, a barrier. Can I don't think mean? it's a barrier What's for true? anything. I don't think it's
1: a barrier for anything. And I'm like the most, although I'm an introvert, like I'm, but I'm very adventurous and very outgoing, and like I love to do or try crazy new things. Or, like there's no kind of barrier I feel like when it comes to niqab. You can do anything. With naqab. I've, been, I've done zip lining with naqab. Like, really? MashaAllah. Yes. But you just wear it under your, like, uh, abaya. I would never wear it over because I would show your whole body shape. Or if you wear really um, long jilbab, uh, khimar, I mean. Yeah. Perfect. That's it. Perfect. So there's no barrier. There's no barrier.
0: Alhamdulillah. So um, in your experience and since you've been wearing it, do you feel that... Um, mm-hmm wearing the naqab you've been treated differently from when you used to wear the hijab
1: um i do believe like when i was in the states after i wore naqab i used to go to go to like um, classes on campus at the university and talk about islam just just women in islam basically and like just the five pillars and uh, um yeah so some people would ask me they'd be like do you have a boyfriend i'm like no we don't date in islam like we don't put ourselves through any unnecessary emotional trauma (laughs) and you know it's like if intentions are clear they can go to your father right away and then everything we like you know slowly can get settled but anyway um so yeah so once this girl asked me she was like so why don't you wear hijab like the other girls i'm like what do you mean by other girls she's like you know like the ones who wear pants and shirts and just like and a, like a little a scarf on their head and i'm like um i was like well what do you think about them like when you see me covered in naqab and you see like uh girls like that what what's the first thing that comes to your mind and you know what she told me like i will never forget this mm-hmm. subhanallah she was like i feel like they're copying us Oh, I was so shocked when she said that. I was like, oh, my God. Like, they can sense when a Muslim is weak, you know? Mm-hmm. When we're, they're copying them. Like, I was so sh- impressed by her answer, to be honest. And I was, she was like, you, on the other hand, you are like, you're going against the current. But you're strong. And when you wear niqab, and then you present yourself with this beautiful energy and, like, beautiful personality. And you're a beautiful soul. And you're always working to be your best self. Um, uh, like people can feel that it doesn't matter what you're wearing or like if they can feel it and they will respect you. Yeah. You know? So yeah. yeah. So I don't feel like it was, I, don't, I forgot what your question was, but I, I, think, <laughs> I think I, was I answered. It.
0: <laughs> what, my question was, if you feel that you got treated differently wearing the hijab. Uh, I actually, tra-
1: yeah, I actually feel like I got treated with respect. I even, um, once this man he stopped me when i was in shopping in walmart <laughs> and he was telling me he was like why do you wear that like why do you cover like that and i started telling him like why woman Muslim women cover for the sake of allah and all that stuff and then he was like he was so impressed mm-hmm. and i guess it was also because my personality was really shining through and i was you know so um and then his wife came or girlfriend i don't know what she was but she, she came and stood next to him and she was wearing really short shorts and he looked at her for one second like with dismay on his face like oh (laughs) i think he was so like impressed and was like wow that's beautiful i i I felt like he felt hijab and niqab was beautiful Mm -hmm. and it's it's all about your energy like if you truly love niqab and this is something else i teach in my course um that to have a very strong subconscious islamic foundation you have to first and foremost get rid of the old programming you had like spiritual program you had which is basically usually a mixture of like culture and islam plus west modern western society beliefs Mm -hmm. so you really really first have to get rid of that delete that program and then you Before you, like, start building, like, the subconscious, uh, like, an Islamic foundation, you have to first look if there are any weeds in the way. And part of those weeds are, like, having doubts or having, like, um, or feeling, like, negatively in any kind of way about Islam, around hijab, around anything. When you look at all of that on a very deep level and you get rid of the weeds, you get rid of the fears, you get rid of the doubts, and then you start building that subconscious foundation on very strong islamic beliefs from the quran and sunnah that are very empowering you know like the hadith that i mentioned yeah, um it. when you do that you're gonna naturally just like shine and like radiate beautiful like feelings about islam because you're so sure you've gotten rid of the doubts you've done all that inner work so you're so you feel so good you've You feel like Islam is amazing because you've done your part. You took responsibility. You became a student of knowledge. You researched. You asked. When you had doubts yourself, you went and, like, uh, found answers. You didn't just let those doubts, like, suppress them and, like, stack them in your subconscious. Mm -hmm. And people can feel that. That's why, like, when they talk to, like, weak Muslims, like, they can feel like, oh, this person's kind of ashamed of their religion. Oh, this person doesn't even know their own religion. Like, what... So this guy, I truly believe he felt like, oh, this woman's exuding this beautiful, loving energy around hijab and niqab. So that's why it was really funny when he looked at his girlfriend that moment. Like I was like, (laughs) like you could tell, subhanAllah, that he really felt what I was – telling him about islam and everything yeah Yeah. and i
0: think the thing is islam is such a beautiful religion which goes with your natural disposition you know it it, it makes
1: you feel like you you're flowing
0: like you're just naturally
1: in flow and people can feel that flow Mm -hmm. you know they can feel it and once you get rid of all those blocks in the way like the doubts the weeds all that and you start building this beautiful empowering foundation and you practice it until you perfect it you become like you master it and it becomes your way of life you're just going to flow in life because you get rid of all that, like sins, like that's another energetic block, of course, sins. They're a huge energetic block. They just suck your energy and leave you with nothing. But when you get rid of these things and for the most part, you're trying to do your best, you're being your highest self and you're trying to be like nafs yeah. mutmainna, like, you know, that's my goal in life. So when you do that, subhanallah, like, yeah, because Islam is so, like you said, it just, it's just, fitrah it's just like human it just works with the human nature so you'll feel amazing once you do the work and then you'll be like why was i living in that bubble of sin why because there's no real pleasure in that it's like the winning trying to win the pleasure of allah and leaving all those sins or and trusting allah actually feels amazing like people always tell me they're like what are you high on i'm like i'm high on air i'm high on trust (laughs) like (laughs) i'm high on you just naturally starts feeling really really good
0: yeah so sister Mm -hmm. um obviously you live in saudi arabia and i live in the uk so one Mm -hmm. of the things that sometimes one of the questions i sometimes get asked is oh are you from saudi because I'm wearing mm-hmm. the niqab, so people, oh yeah, are you from Saudi? And this is like, well, no, I'm not from Saudi, I'm from the UK, right? <laughs> yeah. People have this kind of um, perception of, you know, sisters from Saudi Arabia that everybody's wearing niqab, or, they were f- or that you're forced to wear the niqab over there. So you've already uh-huh. told us that you wasn't forced to wear the niqab; you chose to wear it yourself, and also that your family yeah. wasn't um, very keen on you wearing it. So have you yeah. come across any sisters in Saudi Arabia or, or, or elsewhere who've been Mm -hmm. forced to wear the niqab, or like yourself, who they wanted to wear it, for example, but the families weren't really happy with them to actually wear it.
1: Hmm. Well, recently on, like through Instagram, I guess I'm attracting a lot of sisters who even though they don't wear niqab, they love niqab, and they're like even young girls who are like 15 dm me and they're like oh i just i really want to wear niqab, i really want to it's like and they live in canada and the states and like mm-hmm. yeah and and in the uk and it's it's so it's such a beautiful feeling that they're so young and they're so like in love and they want to wear niqab, mm-hmm. like so that's what i've been experiencing as of late in saudi um there are people, yeah, they wear niqab, and it's by choice. Most people, I do believe, they wear it here more by culture. Yeah. Like, their parents are just like, you have to wear it, because, oh, you know, the other families make their daughters cover, so you have mm-hmm. to cover. But they don't really care. Like, you'll see their arms showing, their feet are, like, and their the abayas are not really abaya, like, covered. Like, yeah. it's not correct hijab, but they wear niqab. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, that's sad, but, I mean, it's... Uh, I feel like in Saudi, especially, we're going through this crisis, kind of, in the aspect like Muslims who have lived in the West, Mm -hmm. they have seen and experienced and like lived usually like um, the non-Muslim lifestyle or they've been around that enough to know like, oh, I don't want to do that, you know, and a lot of them, once they go like to Islam and they, they really commit and they... Wear niqab because they want to, and everything right Mhm, but a lot of sisters in like Saudi it's just like this cultural thing, and family telling them to do it, so they actually don't want to, and it, even though there are a lot of women who do love it and they do cover, of course, but I mean I, in the general mainstream kind mm-hmm. of aspect, um there are a lot who are taking their niqabs off more and more and stuff, and I do believe it's because they're like like, the Saudi society is, like, this in this teenager phase, yeah. and once they get rid of all of that out of their system, and they realize, oh, this is not fun, sins aren't fun, and not covering isn't really that special, they will, inshallah, go back, like, I feel like other societies, like I said, Muslims in Western societies, they've already done that, been there, like, been there, done that kind of thing, and they're, yeah, but, like, in Saudi, they just... Especially because they've been, like, that's what I'm telling you, like, the culture over there has been suppressing them in a way, like, oh, you have to, by force, wear this. It's kind of made them want to rebel in a way. But I do believe in the coming years, once they realize, like, oh, this is all not really that important, and it is better to go to Assam, they will go back,
0: you know? Inshallah, inshallah.
1: Yeah, inshallah. I have faith in the (laughs) Ummah. Alhamdulillah yeah
0: so sister and what would you advise to the sisters who do contact you and any other sisters who would like to wear the niqab and are thinking about doing it
1: um i encourage them to do it i'm just like you know if that's what you truly feel like doing praise the and take it step by step like even if you don't feel like you can do it like be a full-time niqabi right away like how i did it because i i have seen sisters Actually, just last semester, I realized that some sisters, they don't really, they don't wear niqab, they wear just hijab, um, but they wear niqab sometimes, like when they go to the masjid or when they go mm-hmm. somewhere, or, and I asked them, I'm like, why do you do that? Like, I didn't get it, because I'm not that kind of personality, mm-hmm. and so I was like, she's like, well, I I think it's not obligatory, I think it's sunnah, and you know, it's it's the best thing to do, so I choose to wear it sometimes so although like i don't think it's sunnah, i think it's obligatory but i i see where they're coming from and i'm like at least you know they're wearing it step by step you know and maybe tomorrow they want want to wear it all full time like so it's okay to start like that you don't because you don't want people to just feel bad because and just wear it and then suddenly feel like oh i can't do this and they just take it off and be like see since i can't do it for good i'm never going to do it i'm never going to do it again so I tell them it's okay to take baby steps when it comes to niqab. Like, just wear it every Friday when you go to the masjid. Then mm-hmm. wear it, you know? Because i see sisters who, for example, like, um, they come to Saudi for Umrah and stuff. So, and because they're in Saudi, it's like their first time wearing niqab. And then they realize, oh, they really love it. And then they kind of decide to wear it later on, you know? So, yeah, I try to be gentle with them and just encourage them. And tell them it's okay, like, two steps forward, one step back, and until you get, you know, you get enough courage, I guess, Mm -hmm. to really commit to it. Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah. And finally, sister,
1: what does the niqab mean to you? Um, The niqab, to me, it's like there's this debate, you know, where people, some say it's obligatory, and some people say it's not, but it's like better because it's like a a sunnah and to me i want to be the best like i want to be the best of the best in everything of course in allah's eyes i don't care about what people think but like um so the niqab to me represents being the best muslim woman you can be you see so that's what it represents to me and to me like just the whole hijab that like um concept of hijab which to me includes niqab. um represents like a f- the flag of freedom mm-hmm. like that's what i believe like i feel like i'm the flag of freedom i even wrote a poem about this when i was young really? <laughs> so yeah so um i believe uh where naqab is liberating it's my choice mm-hmm. and it's a privilege who i show myself to and yeah and i love it and i would never ever inshallah inshallah i would never ever take it off ever inshallah
0: that's beautiful and i really appreciate you doing taking the time to do this interview with us and share so many mashallah gems like mashallah and um yeah inshallah in the link i will put um your um in the description sorry i'll put a link for your um your your course that you're doing so that people Mm -hmm. can join because i think definitely something that is much needed especially in the muslim community yes yes um yeah
1: Definitely i think we need of, to have a deeper now. understanding yeah. a deeper understanding like i do believe the salaf probably like well not probably i i know for sure they had a very deep understanding of islam and that's why it was so beautiful like that's why we had the golden age that's why we you know but now there's something missing there's something lacking and we need to get back to that yeah,
0: so yeah it, it, that's, the, that's the thing it's, it's like you said literally what is missing is depth Because, and that's not just with the Muslims, it's generally with human beings these days, we're lacking depth in any Even Even
1: even when it comes to, like, practicing Muslims. Like, you see her, like, covered and everything, but it's, a lot of it is more, like, she's doing the outward part more. Mm -hmm. But, like, inner, the inner work, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of, like, uh, issues in her heart, in her, like, the subconscious and everything. Like, I see a lot of issues. So, yeah, that's what really, really motivates me. Like, I really want to help people because I do feel like this is my, my, the way I'm supposed to help people. Inshallah. 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 <laughs>
0: Inshallah <laughs> khair, sister, really. Thank <cool>. you very much. Assalamu <laughs> Alaykum <laughs> wa rahmatullahi <laughs> wa barakatuh. Wa
1: alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.